Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and our live Texans Dolphins postgame show. Robert here with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And Sean, before we dive into CJ Stroud or anybody specifically, any big takeaways for you as the Texans go to two and one? John Mechie didn't play. <laughs> that was yeah. uh, that was my first big takeaway uh, before the game even started. And I guess it's really not a surprise, but I think it's just affirmation of, uh, you know, maybe a theory that I'd floated out to you and uh, to some other people last week in terms of where he's going to start the season for this Texans team. I think it was less about saving him and more about maybe what to expect uh, if he starts on IR or the pup list. But in terms of the game, man, there's a lot of takeaways. The The biggest takeaway, C.J. Stroud's two-for-four in the preseason finale looked a hell of a lot better than his first two-for-four yeah, well, in say, say, debut. Say the C.J. stuff because well, – That's my big takeaway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I think it's everybody's big takeaway. <laughs> but uh, I just want to remind everybody before you get started on C.J., get in the comments. We want to hear from you. We want some questions – would love to hear what you guys think for sure. And, of course, uh, as always, subscribe to us on YouTube. But uh, let's talk CJ. Why, might as well start off with that. Uh, Stroud makes that pinpoint deep shot to Nico in the first drive. Good deflection by the Saints defender. Knocked out of Nico's hands. He had a second shot at the ball after it was knocked away. It would have been a great catch, but he couldn't make it on third and seven. Stroud has pressure because... Shaq Mason's man beats him pretty badly, but Stroud stays calm, good footwork in the pocket. The throw wasn't bad to Robert Woods, but he was tightly covered. And unfortunately, Sean, when Stroud had to climb the pocket a little bit and scramble from the broken down pocket, he missed Schultz, who I noticed was wide open for a second right over the middle. Look, the, the biggest takeaway, C.J. Stroud, affirmation, the guy can put the ball uh, on his dudes. This might be a microcosm of what we end up talking about repeatedly throughout the season, uh, because really one of these position groups that we've mentioned here already, the receivers, nothing's to be expected of them uh, to begin with. Uh, we, it's arguably one of the worst, weakest uh, receiver groups in the entire AFC. I don't know about the league, but I'll go, I'll go that strong for at least right now. And in the offensive line, um, Kenyon Green, not starting, running with the second team and getting drove. Um, you know, Michael Dieter filling in the gap like I thought he was going to have to uh, when they signed him. You know, center guard guy. I thought uh, injury insurance, you know, guy. He might be the dude that starts the season at left guard. Uh, Kenyon Green's on notice. But again, receiver group, offensive line, this might be a recurring theme. Um in a sense, like Stroud might be taking care of his business. He might get sacked a lot. He might have to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker uh, than he wants to or hold on to it a little bit too long in effort to try to make plays. I could see that being a theme throughout the course of the regular season if, in fact, the receiving group doesn't do a little bit better of a job. And certainly the offensive line group, they've got a lot of work to do in terms of pass protection. Yeah, you're jumping ahead because, yeah, that's a whole, offensive line is like a whole other story that I want to get to. And the Kenyon Green thing is a whole other story that we got to get to sideline. But C.J. Stroud, that first pass, the deep pass that he makes, you know, maybe you could say he could have thrown it like a 
couple of yards more because it looked like Nico was slowing down a little bit. But, you know, being able to fit it into that sideline, that's something just flat out Davis Mills wouldn't be able to make. And there's a lot of guys that wouldn't be able to make that throw. And the second pass that he throws that is tipped away, you know, he had the pressure. I just thought the way he handled the pocket for a rookie, and we've seen this a couple of times with him, Sean, the way he moves in the pocket is really, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks that don't know how to handle the pocket, especially early on. And he's just, he, there's no panic with him. And, you know, the offensive line, it's been a little touch and go, like we said, but he's been able to handle that. Yeah, now CJ's cool, man. Uh, he's he's cool. Um, he it doesn't look like um, he's easily rattled, and that that's a big thing. Look, in his first game, you know, uh, he didn't have his Willie Beeman moment. <laughs> you know, I felt like uh, some people were anticipating for whatever reason. Uh, but I think just as as the days, the weeks have kind of gone on with him he's continued to improve and in these areas that you're talking about in terms of ball placement accuracy getting rid of it you know in a timely manner um look he's not going to pitch perfect games he is a rookie but i do think he's made a steady progression in terms of getting the ball out i don't know what the numbers say tonight you know i know after the first game it was like 2.93 seconds of him getting the ball out on average to 2.36 seconds of him getting the ball out uh, in game two. Whatever tonight's numbers are, I don't even really care. Uh, it doesn't mean that much to me because there wasn't any you know, opportunities for him to really need to scramble or where he looked flustered and escaped the pocket before he really needed to. It was bam, progression, take a shot, bam, progression, fit it in where only Schultz can get it. Bam, fit it in, give Woods a chance. And that's what you want to see is the the route concepts in this offense. We talked about why this system is friendly. You saw it tonight, the crossing route that Nico Collins made, uh, you know, for that touchdown. His first NFL touchdown on the second drive, he flashes in front of his eyes and it's just a well-placed ball. When you give your should-be playmakers a chance to do something, this offense doesn't have to be sexy. It, it, it was a, it, it's a beautiful thing when you do the simple things. The run game's going, you convert third and shorts, and you let your playmakers do their job where you put a ball where only they can make it. That's not going to be a problem for CJ this year. Second drive set up by who else? Tank Dell. Great punt return. Good to see him. Unfortunately, he was only targeted once. They got him out of there pretty quickly. Unfortunately for his fans, but, you know, a lot of people would just say, get him out of there healthy. But after a couple of runs, Stroud with the third and two, you mentioned it. It was a perfect throw to Schultz, allowing Dalton to stay on the move yeah. when he catches the ball. And that's the difference between him and Davis Mills. He's getting guys in stride. The placement between cornerbacks is big, but also being able to let guys move. And that's something that you would see. And I'm not comparing him to this guy, but just the idea you would see from a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or something like that. And then his only other pass on the drive, the touchdown to Nico. I, I don't know what to say about that. This his first of the preseason shot. There was nothing spectacular about it, but you can definitely say from Slowick's point, well-designed play and, you know, guys just sitting there wide open. And, and we didn't see that a ton last year either. Just a play design like that at the goal line. 
yeah, again, you know, I just didn't think there was anything sexy about that drive. Uh, it was just simple execution and, you know, taking care of the fundamental things that, um, you know, good football players should do. The, they should do to make it look easy. And, you know, one of those things, uh, look, ain't no Andrew Beck tonight at fullback. Uh, the run that set up the Stingley touchdown, uh, you know, I forget what the actual game was by Damian Pierce, but it was all set up by really good blocking on the offensive line to kind of sandwich everybody down to the right. Dalton Keene did an excellent job of pushing that end uh, out and creating that hole for Damian Pierce. I don't know that this has been a part of the plan or if it, it's been sort of a patchwork sort of deal for Dalton Keene to kind of get these reps, which has been now twice now, Andrew Beck being banged up in that first preseason game and then him not being dressed out tonight. Keene gets those reps. That dude looks legit. You know, I think he's going to maybe potentially throw a lot of people's Mach 53 rosters out of whack. I could totally see a scenario where the Texans, you know, go Schultz, Pretoriano, Beck, and Keene as two hybrid tight end fullback kind of guys to fill out that. So two tight ends, two fullbacks, maybe that's something to discuss at a later date. But, yeah, there was nothing sexy about that drive on the, on the second series for the Texans. It was just fundamental, just boom, 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 boom. Just It was made very easy for Stroud, and it looks easy because guys executed. Yeah, with Keen, I don't want to go too much into this, but I did see a miss – a guy that just came in wide open later on. I think it was once Stroud had left the game. It was with Davis Mills. And Beck has not looked necessarily great at all. I would like to see better from both of those guys. But that particular drive, you're correct. Uh, I thought Keen was really important. Uh, I think Quatoriano made a nice block in there as well. Um, but also, Sean, the other big story of this game, you know, we talked about C.J. Stroud, the big story, Canyon Green, running with the second team, it's kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal that your first round pick from last year is now on the outside looking in to some guy that was just not not like a really good free agent, but like just bottom tier free agent. Yeah, and look, uh, he's he's a guy that, you know, I, I rarely do this and go back and watch, you know, the game for specific guys. Um, but I'm going to do it for him because I think it was the second snap that uh, Green was in on that second unit with Mills at quarterback. Dude just got drove five yards into the backfield, and we'd seen that a couple of times last year. When he went through that, what? You remember that stretch of about three or four games in a row where it was like, holy smokes, this dude's facing literally the best of the best. Well, tonight <laughs> it was the Saints – and they didn't play there once. And dude was on the second team getting drove. And a few moments later, you know, he gets hurt. And it was nothing spectacular. It was a spin move, sure. It looks better if you're watching it from the defense's perspective. And you're saying, man, that's a good move on tape in the defensive film room. But in the offensive film room, for Kenyon Green, a second-year player, it's like, Holy smokes, dude, you let that guy spin off of you and get that kind of penetration? He grabs his wrist or his hand, whatever the case may be. But if you go back and you watch that, and I already did, I just want to see the other snaps in between these two horrible plays. But his weight is completely forward. 
There's no low center of gravity. There's no balance. There's nothing to tell me that, you know, he knows how at this stage to anchor down and shoot his hands. Um, his weight was completely forward, easily beatable for an interior lineman or, and it doesn't matter. Uh, he's got a long way to go. And look, I guess I knew this. We all should have known this. If you read between, you know, just listen carefully. Chris Strauser, who I spoke with exclusively three weeks ago now, I believe it was, even said, look, Kenyon, he's got a lot of work to do. And, you know, you could pass that off as, you know, kind of coach speak. These guys are going to say that about everybody else. You know, you've heard the same thing about Will Anderson, you know, who's absolutely been phenomenal, whether it be just a regular slap day at training camp or in a game, he's been phenomenal, but still has a long way to go. Okay. You don't want to build these guys up too much. Well, there ain't been no building up for Kenyon Green. It's been, this dude needs work. He's got a long way to go. And I think we were given confirmation tonight that this dude's on notice. 15th overall pick last year or not, the dude's on notice. What percentage of this, of 100% of the reason that he's been benched, what percentage is technique and what percentage is just like want to and will and effort and that kind of thing? What, what would you say? It's hard for me to, you know, question a guy's effort and, and, and want to and love and passion for the game. Um, it can be miscommunicated at times, but just having watched him sporadically throughout training camp, uh, especially early on, I'd say around week two, week three, I started to kind of pick up on like, you know what, this dude just don't look like he's in the best shape that he could be in. And I don't ever say it. Um, and, you know, maybe he's feeling the pressure, you know, having undergone another knee operation, arthroscopic surgery this offseason, that he just feels the pressure. You know what? I got to do whatever I can to just get back and just get on the field and just fight through it. That could be a situation, and his body's just not responding. Um, so sometimes when that's the case, you're physically not able to do something. It's easy to assume for people on the outside looking in that, you know what, this guy just, he ain't, he don't seem into it. Um, I, I think it's less that, and I think it is simply more about technique. And Kenyon, you know, to his credit, uh, very, uh, you know, forthright last year with with me, with 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 everybody in the media, when we'd ask him about technique, you know, things that he needs to improve upon, what he wants to really work on, points of emphasis, he always went back to his hands and said he just needed to do a better job of that. And he never really talked about his body, about strength, and, you know, having a great lower half. But I think it was all so easy for us to see, you know, that that needed to improve as well. He's a young player. He needed to get some NFL kind of muscle on him, get that uh, NFL type of, you know, reaction, if you will, that an offensive line, it's ne necessary for those guys. Um, he talked about his hands again a few times this uh, this training camp. I think that's just something that um, is is a long ways away, to be quite honest with you. And hopefully – you know, in weeks to come, if he does start the regular season on the bench, you know, guys like Shaq Mason, um, you know, can can help him. Maybe something just clicks. Um, maybe just getting his body where it needs to be, which I don't think it is there yet, uh, helps as well, at least mask some of his shortcomings technique-wise. This is just super surprising, Sean, because this is not somebody that I remember anybody going, oh, this is a huge reach for the Texans. Mm -hmm. Now, we had on our draft guy, Joe DeLeon, who's done a great job for us, and he didn't like that pick. 
he wanted us to take the safety, Kyle Hamilton, right there. Yeah. And, you know, he was disappointed with what the Texans did at that point. I believe Kyle Hamilton would have still been available when the Texans, remember, they traded down a little bit when they took Kenyon Green. But, you know, this is the, the Texas A&M Aggies. I mean, you would figure he would be a little bit more NFL ready. And, and you're talking about a lot of technique last year. It hasn't changed a lot this year. Doesn't look like it. Yeah, and and I think he was moved around a little bit at A&M. He just didn't play left guard. So, you know, maybe you got to give him a little bit more time because, remember, we saw he missed a lot early on last year in, in training camp, I believe. He missed, you know, some time going into the season. So, I mean, that's the only excuse that I got for him because between that time that he missed and maybe just not playing – left guard the whole time he was at Texas A&M may be playing a factor here. Yeah, maybe. And then look, um, th- there's actually fewer guys, you know, two really that you're relying upon Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard on that offensive line amongst the starters, given the fact that you have a rookie as your center and, and Juice Scruggs, uh, Kenyon Green, and then now Shaq Mason, who's new to all of this. You have two guys that have really kind of gone through four different offensive line coaches in the last four years. Not really an excuse for Kenyon Green. Granted, um, this is his second in as many years. Maybe Chris Strouser, you know, can work his magic a little bit. Though, you know, where he'd come from in Indianapolis, it's a little bit of a different blocking scheme there last year than what uh, he's implementing necessary to make this offense go round under Bobby Slowick. So given his own blocking schemes and, and things like that and how, they want their guys, need their guys to be athletic and the ability to move lateral and be powerful. Um, the latter, you know, sounds very blanketed amongst, you know, any offensive line scheme that you're talking about. But uh, hopefully Strouser, you know, can be that whisperer, you know, for, for Kenyon. Hopefully another season and working alongside one of the very best in the biz to do it in Laramie Tunsil, Shaq Mason, a plus player at his position. Hopefully all of this can kind of, you know, compound and help Kenyon in his development. But it does come down to just being able to accept that, you know what, you are behind. Or, you know, yeah, there's pressure, but so what? Like, you just got to put your head down and go. There is a reason that the Texans have so much depth. I didn't say it was quality, but there's a reason they have so much depth on that interior line. There's a clog at the center guard position there, which is why they make the trade uh, this past week for Josh Jones from the Arizona Cardinals, who um, and I don't even think he's got a jersey number yet. But Yeah, we, we didn't talk about it the other day, but <laughs> Josh Jones, you know, when Titus Howard comes back, you gave up a fifth-round pick. Did you give up a fifth-round pick because Josh Jones has also played some guard and, and could play <laughs> Kenyon Green's position. We didn't see Josh Jones in this game, right? I I, I don't think he dressed. Correct? No, that's why I was saying. Like, I don't even think he's got a jersey number yet. <laughs> but uh, we did see Cam Dantzler, who was another uh, late pickup uh, this past week, or this week, rather, this Saturday, right? No, it's Sunday. Yeah, so last week's fair. Um, you know, I heard a lot of people say, uh, you know, Josh Jones, the guy could start. And I'm like, ah, pump the brakes on that one because, look, George Fant, he ran again with the ones tonight. He'd been getting repeated uh, look with the first team, even when Titus was, you know, healthy uh, before he broke his hand, they were working Fant in to get some reps there. So I think it's Fant. Jones, you're right, does give you some depth. And I think the 
I, you don't I think, think you don't think they could get Jones up to speed at left guard? That's what I'm saying. Um, maybe, um, maybe you can tell me this because I have to go back and look. I know he has experience at guard, but I don't know if it's left oh, yeah. guard or right guard um, from his time at Arizona. I know he's played both tackle positions. I just got the feeling whenever they'd signed it that it was more for tackle depth than guard. Uh, maybe in a pinch they feel comfortable with putting him in um, at, at that position. But again, I don't know personally like if he's played you know, more right versus left, if left at all. Uh, I just thought it was good depth for Laramie because you don't really have anybody to spell him if you need be. Like, you're already going to potentially start the season without, you know, the fourth, fourth highest paid right tackle in the NFL and Titus Howard. What if Laramie goes down? Who would you be comfortable, you know, having step in there? Tyler Beach has been a guy that had gotten some run. Killen Zired been a guy that had gotten some run, but Killen's hurt. Um, Beach got a lot of reps tonight. And to be honest with you, at the guard position, Beach looked a lot better, in my opinion, than Kenyon Green. That's another reason why I'm going to go back and look at this game again. Yeah, Charlie Heck is going to go on the injured list. He's out yeah. for at least about six weeks from what I read, right? Yeah, if he's going to start the, the season like that, I think it is six weeks before you can pull him off. Yeah, he hadn't, so, he hadn't put pads on at all this uh, uh, training camp. I mean, there's no – you're not holding your breath. I mean, I'd rather hold my breath for Michael Brantley to make his Astros return than I would for Charlie Heck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Michael Brantley saying, hey, I'm here, I'm here. Yeah, well, he's he's there. He's in Boston, according to reports, but we'll see. Yeah, so you, you mentioned Juice Scruggs briefly. Now, he only played, I believe, the first series. But I went back and I looked at the first series, Sean. And on the opposite side of the coin from Kenyon Green, man, I'm starting to really like what I saw from Juice Scruggs. I mean, not just in this game. I went back and I looked at that first game and I yep. focused a little bit more on him. And it's not just that he's making blocks. He's like manhandling guys. He's flattening them. Uh, he and Shaq Mason, and I cannot wait until Titus Howard comes back. The middle to the right side of this offensive line is like a front-end loader. I mean, they are just going to move dudes. Uh, Juice Scruggs, you wouldn't know it if you talked to him. Kind of like Damian Pierce. <laughs> Did you catch his interview with Aaron Andrews on the sideline tonight? Oh, awesome. That awesome was fantastic. Stuff. I bring him up because, you know, they asked him about, you know, running with cruel intentions or whatever the verbiage was. You know, running angry, I think, is what Aaron said. And he said, well, I have ill intentions or something like that. And I even need to run angrier this year. But if you talk to the guy, it's like, you don't have a mean bone in your body, dude. But just look at that first run that he broke tonight because of, again, great blocking by the offensive line. I think he shot the A gap or it might have been the B gap on the right side um, and then lowered his shoulder into a linebacker or a safety that had come up to try to make the tackle. That was just peak angry DP, man. And I bring that up because if you get this type of play out of Drew Scruggs and the Texans showed you tonight by putting Patterson in at center on that second series, we've seen enough. <laughs> you're good, big mm -hmm. cat. Let's put you in bubble wrap along with CJ after the second series here. Yep. Um, you're good to go. Um, that middle to right side of the offensive line is going to be fantastic. If they can find the damn left guard uh, with a little bit of dog in them, with a little bit of nasty and just some freaking technique, uh, this line is going to be pretty damn good. To answer your question, I went back and looked at it. Josh Jones, all of those reps that he got at guard were right yeah. guard. It was over 600, but it was all at right guard. So yeah. I don't know, but right now, Kenyon Green looks so bad that Josh Jones 
would definitely be an option there with Dieter. I don't know, you know, how he compares to Dieter, but, you know, Josh Jones at least has a lot more talent, you would think, just by his pedigree and everything like that. Yeah, and look, just just consider Michael Dieter's a starting level offensive lineman in this league, okay? Uh, you say the same thing with Josh Jones. You know, the Texans mm-hmm. gave up a fifth-round pick for a reason uh, for this guy. He's a starting level offensive lineman in this league, and the versatility – um, I don't know what his pro football focus grades, you know, say during his, you know, first uh, couple of years at Arizona. Um, but I can tell you this, like, I like the transition from the type of quarterback that um, and the type of system that he's used to running in the scheme offensive line wise. I feel like it should be a pretty smooth transition terminology, obviously, probably a lot different here under Slowick, uh versus in Arizona. But it seemed like a seamless one and just. They got that big, strong, powerful, athletic um, guy with, you know, agile movement, you know, can move laterally and get upfield and, you know, solid technique. You go back and you look at some of the uh, things that scouts and uh, draft experts said about him when he'd come into the league. It should make you feel pretty darn good, uh, uh, you know, about what the Texans gave up for him. But just the forecast. But again, I mentioned this, you know, Dieter's a guy. Patterson's a guy who's got center guard flexibility. You know, Tyler Beach. Uh, I think Sutherland is hurt. Uh, you know, they let him go. They brought him back. I, 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 I'm not sure on him. But again, look, hey, you're two days away from, you know, cut time. And there's going to be guys out there that are going to be gettable. And, you know, the Texans are going to have first pick, <laughs> you know, to claim guys off a of waiver. So uh, what the offensive line looks like right now is not what it's going to look like in totality come week one against Baltimore. Hey, I forgot to ask you, is this is this H-Town Blue? I was trying to go for H-Town Blue here. Uh, it's a little dark. It's a little dark. Somewhere between your hat and that shirt, though, I think it's a pretty good tent mixture. Okay. I, I was trying for, for a little bit of that. No Will Anderson, no Derek Stingley, no Steven Nelson. Derek Stingley, we put him in bubble wrap. Uh, we basically throw him into the bat cave and don't let him go anywhere between now yeah. and the first game of the season, Sean. Yeah, I mean, what else do you need to see? Um, the one thing, the one position group that I think you could hang your hat on, um, even before training camp started, I think was the secondary. Um, you know, I, I was going to say particularly the corners, but I'll say it in general because you really liked what Jimmy Ward and obviously Jalen Petrie coming off of the season that he had last year. Um, that's just it. I mean, you kind of know what you had there. You're looking for depth tonight. Kadar Holman. Uh, fighting for a roster spot. Yeah, he, you know? he looked good. I mean, you know, the Jimmy Ooh. Graham touchdown, uh, yeah, that that guy was a, a – apparently Jimmy Graham showed up from 2013, but Kadar Holman made a lot of other – and he was in hey. the right spots everywhere else. Hey, and I he started, believe. right? He yeah, started. he did. He did. He was on the first team, started, got a lot of run tonight, uh, which is good for him. Had three pass breakups at least, you know, kind of tuned out the last couple of minutes of the ball game. So I don't know if he had another opportunity, but yeah, he gave up a touchdown to Jimmy Graham. Uh, but Christian Harris, a guy who's looked pretty good in coverage, to be honest with you, uh, in camp and in games this year, Jimmy Graham, I mean, uh, makes, makes an incredible play, you know, a leap in 25 yard catch uh, on over Christian Harris. What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? You like to see Christian Harris compete for the ball a little bit more. That's going to come as young players still, 
you know, hadn't got a lot of reps under his belt. He, but, he was trying. He was right. He was yeah. draped all over me. He had his hand up. He just, you know, he couldn't. That you know, you got you got to have you got to be able to turn around a little bit. But I was gonna say real quick, like but Jimmy's speed the, is is legit still. I think. Well, the the odd thing is, is that he had an opportunity to showcase it tonight. Like the fact that Jimmy Graham was out there playing football and doing football things after the weird behavior, strange, odd week that he had <laughs> after getting arrested and running from the cops, and you know, yeah, it like, was like uh, a me- me- mental or met or a, a medical thing. They said. Yeah. The thing is, when I watched Jimmy Graham there, I'm like, you know, the Texans, uh, we could have used a tight, we could use an extra tight end like that, just hanging out at the back of our roster or whatever. It would have been better than a Brevin <laughs> Jordan, who we haven't seen that's probably gone or who? whatever. Who? Uh, I Who's think that? his name is, it starts with a B and it's Jordan. It's not Michael Jordan's brother, but his name's Brevin, Brevin Jordan. Oh, number nine. Number nine. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably going to be Dalton Schultz's future number. Um, I'm just going to go that route. You know, the single digits, uh, you know, the young ballers in the league like those now. And so I think Brevin, you know, good thing for Schultz when he came to Houston. I think uh, he actually offered to to buy number nine from Brevin and Brevin declined to accept money for it. Probably should have taken the money at this point. But I think Schultz, will be getting that number soon enough. Not thrilled, and I don't know if this is going to be a popular opinion. I am not thrilled at Pearson Singletary's ability so far in the preseason to find the holes. Now, you tell me, Sean, does it you think it's taking them a while to figure out where the holes are in this offense? Because I've noticed, at least in the preseason, now you see them, you've seen a ton of camp, so maybe it's been different there, but there's just been times where I'm like, okay, when if guys aren't in the backfield and everybody's making their block at the line then you got to figure out a way to get through the line or figure out a way to not run into somebody that's being blocked. And sometimes I've seen that from Singletary and Pierce in this preseason. And, and, you know, the best running backs just don't, don't do that. Yeah. um, I've seen it more from Singletary, you know, to my recollection that I had with Pierce and it's only speculation at this point because I haven't gone back and studied you know, just the run game here and why they might be struggling. But it's something I mentioned to you, I think, on our last show with Singletary uh, against the Dolphins, I think it was, right? There was a inside zone run, you know, over the over Shaq Mason, I think. I couldn't have mentioned Mason, but uh, whoever was playing right guard. You know, Singletary had opportunity to kind of bounce that outside uh, last week, and he didn't. It's, you know, he forced it, and it was like a yard, yard and a half, pile of dust kind of a thing. And I, I just wonder if, you know, look, this this offense is easier on the quarterback because they're not asked to make all of the line calls and stuff like that, right? Like Davis was asked to do that, um, you know, the last couple of years. Well, CJ's not having to do that. Your center is making those line calls. And you also are having a rookie center deal with some of that stuff. And he's very smart. Uh, cerebral is the word that they'll use. I just wonder if that's maybe an issue too. You know, there's maybe some hiccups. We've talked about Stroud getting the play out in the huddle, maybe saying the wrong thing. Miscommunication last week with Schultz on the out route in the end zone on that first series. Maybe it's something similar going on with the offensive line where they're calling out the wrong blocks and they're having to adjust kind of on the fly. Um, Maybe it's something as simple as, you know what, Uh, Mason, Scruggs, you know, Fant, whoever it is, uh, they're just not getting their hands inside, getting that push, and that running back is feeling like they have to force it. P. 
Pierce. Yeah, yeah. There was just there was a there was a, a play early in this game. It might have been the beginning of the second drive. I'm trying to remember when it was, but it was probably around that time where Pierce. There was a you know two guys getting blocked on the left side by I believe it would have been Dieter and and Larry Tunsil, mm-hmm. and he sort of just runs into that side. And if he just makes one of those sharp cuts back to the right side, there was a massive hole that it opened up that uh, look, he missed. Look, you, you know, running back coaches, you know, running backs themselves, I'll even tell you, patience and vision, you know, and, and trusting a hole to open up. And if that hole is supposed to be there, if it's designed, you're trusting that guy to get that push to open that hole up. You're going to stay the course. Well, there's, you know, patience and vision that come into mind, too. It's like you've got to have that quick recognition and, okay, it's not there. Let me cut this back. You know, you've got to it, – it, it's tough. It happens in a flash. And so I think it's just something, you know, from film study, from experience. And, look, Pierce, nobody in that running back room is breaking film down and studying harder than that dude. I will tell you that. that right that's now. though, you just said the word though, patience, mm-hmm. because I think of when I think of the great running backs and Arian Foster did this as good as anybody. Oh, he was, he, he, yeah. he would, he would wait that extra split second to let the offensive line develop it. And Pierce, he's going too fast. He's a hundred miles an hour, and that's his thing. And sometimes you love it, but sometimes it just doesn't work because he's not, he isn't patient waiting for that hole to open up. Yeah, there's a fine line. You know, he, I think, talked about as much tonight on the sideline when Aaron Andrews was interviewing him, um, said specifically, hey, look, you know, I run angry. I'm I'm a fast decision maker, and that's what Sloic in this offense wants from him. They don't want him to change his style one bit, but there is a fine line there. And so, look, it's still a second-year player. He's got, you know, 13, 14 games under his belt, whatever it was from last season. Uh, there's no, you're not seeing the ceiling for Damian Pierce right now. Uh, I think it was Greg Olson who tonight on the broadcast said, or maybe it was Kevin Burkhart, one of them said it. Uh, you just get the feeling that you're watching a superstar in the making. And I think we'd all said the same thing at various points last year, a lot very early from Damian Pierce. Still true today. You're watching a superstar in the making. The key thing is there. It's in the making. It ain't happened yet, but he's getting there. Speaking of one of the things Greg Olson said, um, he was really, really excited about Davis Mills. And I was loving it, Sean, because I'm like, yeah, keep talking him up. Keep telling everybody how accurate he looked in the – because, Sean, I don't know what he was looking at and from last year, but the guy did not look good last year. We watched it. and But he, he was selling it, and – I'm like, okay, I just went, you know, my Davis Mills stock just went from like a fifth round draft choice to maybe if Greg Olson keeps talking, we can get a third round pick for him. You know, it's statements like that. And I, I remember thinking this when, when Olson was talking about Mills, it's fairly early on. I think maybe the the third series or whatever uh, that Mills had or the third series of the offense. I was These are the kinds of things that make everybody else feel stupid. You know, because I'm literally sitting there making notes like mm, Mills, you know, uh, they must be keeping Tank Dell in there for Davis Mills just to get his cardio, you know, because all Mills is doing is overthrowing everybody, <laughs> you know. And then here comes Olsen talking him up about how accurate he's been putting the ball just where guys can catch it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, 
what am I missing here? Do I have my Stroud glasses on? Like, do I have my anti-Davis Mills glasses on? Like, let me rewind and watch this. And I'm just like, whatever, dude. You know, people see what they want to see. I, I, I don't know. I don't have anything to say that other than the fact that, again, it's clear and it's been very clear since the second week of camp when Stroud took over first team reps, who the starting quarterback is in the Texans' eyes and who it should be. And Davis Mills is not in that equation. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's go to some of the comments here. Steve says, QB, EJ Perry looked solid. I mean, I don't know. We've already got three quarterbacks, uh, Sean. I, I don't know what you can show when you're going up did. third and fourth teams. Did he look good? Doesn't mean he's going to make the squad. Yeah. Well, I guess my question to, to you, and maybe Steve's asking this, can he be a practice squad guy? I don't know. I mean, I, maybe. I mean, there's there's a lot of quarterbacks available out there. You know, the Texans practice squad quarterback from last year, Jeff Driscoll, I think uh, I think they cut him. Uh, what, what room was he in? He was in a room with like five dudes. It was it Arizona? Yeah. Arizona had like six quarterbacks in their room the second that they traded for Josh Dobbs. Um, Driscoll's going to be on the street. Maybe that's a guy. You know, familiarity matters. The best fit in the offense matters. I mean, Perry could be a guy for a practice squad. I don't know, but somebody else might like him to be you know, a third quarterback on the roster. Who knows? Okay. Uh, another uh, comment here from Willis, who says the offensive line is definitely a big problem. Sean, I, here, here's the thing. I don't think the offensive line is a big problem. I think Kenyon Green is a big problem, but I like Titus Howard, and Titus Howard's likely going to be back within the first couple of games, the way his progress is going. At, third game at the latest. Uh, you just picked up Josh Jones who did a really good job last year as a tackle. And he's got, he, he's got real talent for a guy that's just a backup tackle. Uh, Fant's not a joke out there at tackle. And he's been fine when he's played. Shaq Mason is a darn good veteran guard. Juice Scruggs has looked really good. And Laramie Tunsil is a pro bowler. Is, is the offensive line a catastrophe at this point? If it's, no, does mean, Michael it's, Dieter make it a catastrophe, a big issue? Why are no. we worried so much about this? Well, it's just, there is a lot of unknown. And ultimately, you know, it's about consistency. A lot of these guys have put good moments on tape, but how consistent is the tape? Um, the two guys you don't worry about, well, one of them are out, one of them is out, you know, and no Titus Howard. You know, you feel good about Laramie Tunsil. Um, I'm not worried about Titus but, Howard. He was so, real solid last year. No, he's should, a I'm solid saying, guy. That's, I just said that. Like, you shouldn't be worried about Titus okay, Howard. Okay, he's okay. just not there, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. George Fant is not Titus Howard. George Fant, um, you know, is a replacement-level player in this league, and he stepped in, you know, in my opinion, quite nicely at the right tackle position. Another guy who gives you a little bit of versatility there could play both. Um, but they made the deal for Josh Jones for a reason. He gives you depth at the tackle position. It's just, it's TBD. It's unproven. It's unknown with Juice Scruggs, with Kenyon Green, um, and with Michael Dieter, to be honest with you right now, just because we don't know Michael Dieter. You know, go talk to Miami fan about Michael Dieter. You know, he'd been a starting center in this league, a starting guard for them over the last few years for the Dolphins. Uh, but there's also a reason why he's not there anymore. Um, I, I think Dieter's done a pretty darn good job subbing in. And the number one thing I feel like we're scarred with is, you know, since the Texans have 
you know, been we're so far removed from, you know, the greatest offensive line in franchise history with Eric Winston and Mike Brizel and Chris Myers and Wade Smith uh, and Dwayne Brown. It's whatever guy that you've plugged in there, it's like, well, they're versatile. And we're a little scarred by what we saw happen with Xavier Suofilo and some other guys that have kind of come and gone and them moving around, not really giving these guys a chance to, you know, stick a solid foot in the ground and concentrate on one position. Juice Scruggs ain't going anywhere. He's either the center for this team or he's not. He's just got to be consistent. Got a small little good sample size for him right now, and I feel good about it, and you should too. Shaq Mason. Guy's an absolute pro and a starting level level right guard in this league. You should feel good there. When Titus comes back, again, like I said, that's a freaking front-end loader on the right side of that line. You should feel really good. The glaring weakness here is left guard, and you feel terrible about it because it's a 15th overall pick. What we're going to end up doing, my biggest fear, I think it's trending that way and it's probably going to be this way, in three, four years' time, you're going to go back and look at the 2021 draft. 2022, whatever the hell it was. And you're going to see all of the perennial pro bowlers that the Texans passed up on to take Kenyon Green at 15th overall. And it's going to make you even more pissed off. Well, you can't, but you can't. Uh, it's a whole other, I don't want to get, make a 20 minute conversation of this, but let me just say I've been, I've watched a lot of NFL drafts and a lot of NFL football. If you hit on Stingley and you hit on Petrie, there are times where first round picks, are bust, even high first round picks. The the Texans have had high first round picks that are bust. And I can start naming off guys like Amobo Okoye yeah. uh, and, and David Carr to a degree. And every organization. You know, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. you're gonna miss those guys. The problem isn't the problem isn't, you know, if you miss him, but if the rest of that draft stinks, Petrie and Stingley have got to be on the field, Stingley, and they've got to tackle Petrie. Those guys have got to prove that they belong there. And John Mechie, you know, maybe bad luck or maybe he gives you something, but that's a third. That's a he was a third round pick, right, Sean? Third round pick, John Mechie. Was he third or, or was he a second? Second, was he a second? yeah. No, yeah, he's, he's a he's a high pick too. And if that's a miss, that's another big miss. And you know, I don't. I I think if he's a miss now, it might be more cancer than anything. I don't think the knee injury is lingering. You know, a year and a half out now. So uh, no, that, I, I that's don't. an issue. I don't think the injury, you know, we're talking about Mechie. I, I don't think, you know, the AC, people forget, like, he the, the last football game he played in before he actually played one this preseason for the Texans was the SEC title game <laughs> back in December of 2021. Like, dude tours ACL, went through rehab, finds out he has cancer. Like, that is an incredible timeline like an incredible amount of stress on the individual, the human, the body. And that is the number one reason why I feel like he's going to start this season on PUP or IR, whatever they put him on. And it's not for the lack of ability. It's not just we're afraid to cut the guy because he ain't got no game. Now the dude flashed, you know, the first week, week and a half of training camp. We saw his ability, but I don't think, and this is just me. I don't want to speak out of turn. You know, I, there's, there's nothing that anybody's told me. Just I'm going off of what I've seen. I don't think his body's where he wants it to be. I don't think the ability to play this game is where it 
maybe he thought it was going to be at this point in time and maybe where the Texans anticipated it being at this time. They're going to give him every opportunity to get his body right, to get his skill, you know, where it needs to be to contribute for this team. And I, I just don't think he's going to be given the opportunity to do it with pads on, you know, every Sunday. It's going to be, you know, him bringing along very slowly. You may yeah. not get to see the real John Mechie yeah. till later on this season, if you know, at the earliest, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too far into John Mechie. My point is just, if John Mechie doesn't work, I mean, and then Kenny Green doesn't work, that's too really high. That, that draft starts looking bad. Petrie and Stink, they really have to be great, and, and they still got a shot at doing that. Uh, by the way, uh, D'Amico Ryans said after the game, Michael Dieter has done a really good job, and that's why I had him in there over Kenyon Green. I haven't seen a quote what he said on Kenyon Green. I know uh, in the comments, not. Um, Fletch C says KG grabbed his left arm. We talked about that after getting you know injured. I think he went in the medical tent. He came out. It didn't look like a big deal on the field. I haven't seen anything post game yet on that. Um, there's also uh, Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, Willis says, had a great game. You want to mention what he did out there, Sean? Yeah, Hutch, uh, you know, one of the best one of the best grabs that I think he'd made, and, you know, this was kind of a knock on him, is, um, you know, going up and getting a football coming into camp. Um, you know, the deep ball, good deep ball from Davis Mills, you know, down the right side, you know, went up, high-pointed it, came down with it strong through contact, went to the ground, um, that's something that's becoming much more of a regular occurrence for Xavier Hutchinson, who was focused on quite a bit, you know, the early portion of camp. Um, I think he's, you know, steadily progressed. His route running is what I've probably, what I would probably say has been most consistent um, and what I'm most excited about, because that's one of those fundamental things that you worry about with any receiver, no matter the size, uh, but the experience level, first year in the league in this offense, uh, obviously new to him, uh, where, you know, there's a lot of other veterans on this team that have been indoctrinated with other offenses. They're having to relearn this whole thing. Uh, but I think it's really encouraging to see Hutchinson flash like this. And it always says something to me when you have a guy like that, if you're able to take care of, you know, the basic fundamental stuff, good route running, execute the concept. But when you get a chance, you come down with a ball. It doesn't matter if it's thrown from C.J. Stroud, Case Keenum, or Davis Mills. Dude's made plays. Um, I don't. Know well, the key is that. the quarterbacks trust him because they're throwing the yeah. ball to him. That's what I've noticed. Well, look at the body. Look at the body. You know, um, he's got that big frame, the big body type, the ability to go up, show that he can catch through contact, take to the ground. Like I said, that that's a quarterback's dream. You know, you want to be able to just get it in the zip code and have that guy go get it. He can he's shown you that he can do that uh, this camp at an early, yeah. at the early stage. So yeah. he might be, he might be Think about how we were talking about Henry Toa Toa, you know, when training camp started, it's like, yeah, you know what, this guy might progress, you know, this season, we might see him, uh, you know, make much more of an impact at some point than we anticipated, you know, for a fourth, fifth round pick, whatever Toa Toa is, he's a fifth round pick. I can't remember. Um, and Toa Toa showed the propensity that he can come in and make plays, you know, ran with the ones tonight. Um, don't read too much into it because they weren't going to play all their starters. I mean, there's just dudes you don't need to see anything from Perryman, Anderson. Those guys are just a couple to name a few. 
Um, but Toa Toa has shown the propensity to be able to, you know, run this defense like D'Amico wants it to. There's a reason he's talked him up quite a bit. And I feel like Xavier's kind of in that same category. Like, maybe don't be surprised uh, well, if we get that, to see uh, contributions from it, him earlier. Than expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the point I, I want to make. If you're talking about putting those two guys in the same category, Toa Toa just doesn't look like he has the, the speed or the size to me so far. He hasn't shown me that enough to go. Yeah, that guy can be really like Xavier Hutchinson. You know, he's not somebody that's incredibly explosive off the line of scrimmage or anything like that. But we know if you're doing the right things out there, Mm -hmm. if you know how to get open, if you know how to catch the ball, see DeAndre Hopkins, then you could be really good. And, and, you know, you might disagree with me. I think Xavier has a lot more chance to be good. And that's a that goes to a question that Mudbone asked us. He said, would love for Houston to find a wide receiver on the waiver wire. And I want to ask you, Sean, if you, if you got a receiver on the waiver wire, we've talked about the guys that the Texans have right now is, is a Noah Brown job in jeopardy. Uh, Robert Woods, uh, you know, they love him. They still got him starting. I assume his job's not in jeopardy, even though, you know, he hasn't shown us a whole lot to this point, but you know, do you think they need a receiver and, and should Noah Brown's job be in jeopardy right now? If they found somebody. I mean, you know, Noah Brown's a seven-year veteran, but I mean, I I guess, I mean, that's just a hard one. Like what receiver that is being cut by another NFL team is going to be better than anybody that you have on this roster? That's like flip a coin, right? There's a reason why they're being cut. If you're going to tell me that one of the worst receiving rooms in the entire NFL could do better, you know, by nabbing somebody they get off the waiver wire, then I wouldn't tell you that you're crazy because you should uh, but I'll tell you this I like Noah Brown for a lot of the same reasons that I just you know described Xavier Hutchinson to you um, you know people were crushing Noah Brown for not coming up with that ball thrown by Stroud last week on that diving attempt that he had to make going to his right I mean that's a freaking tough catch you know a plus receiver in the NFL uh, would find it hard to make that kind of a catch but if they made it you'd say, hey, that's a that's a heck of a catch. That's a ball that, you know, should be caught by a guy like that. Noah Brown's not a above-average wide receiver in this league. There's a reason why, you know, it took so long for him, even in Dallas, to get reps. Coming off of yeah. a career high last year, and now he's here. You could say maybe, you know what, he's an ascending player, but I think his ceiling is a hell of a lot lower at this point in time than a guy like Xavier Hutchinson and so I would just struggle to say that, yeah, just anybody you could nab off of the waiver wire is going to be better than Noah Brown. I do like Noah Brown. No, 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 that's not the point I guess I was making with the question. I'm saying, you know, is Noah Brown the guy that would, he would be, be in jeopardy? He would be the guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would be that, the guy. That, think about yeah. it. Think about yeah. it from this from this angle. Here's the interesting thing that I started thinking about tonight. I've been a big Steven Sims proponent. He didn't get any early reps with Stroud, didn't even get the early reps with Mills until later on in the series. And he ran some terrific routes tonight. They just didn't throw him the dang ball. And when they did, it was freaking overthrown. Um, I, yeah, I, there, I, there was a point where I, Mills had him wide open and he didn't, you know, he threw it away or I can't, can't what, or maybe he, he took a sack, I forgot what happened, but. Greg Olson even pointed it out in the broadcast that 
and show where Sims was wide yeah. open. So, well, but I bring yeah. him up because you know there's depth, you know, at that slot receiver position, and Tank Dell is a big reason why you feel that way. Robert Woods, you know, you feel pretty comfortable with what he can do. Uh, Nico Collins looks like he's an ascending player. Um, this camp looks like he might, you know, turn out to be that that quote unquote, you know, should be guy to give you give him a chance and he'll make a play for it. He's shown that he could do it more times than not this camp and in the preseason. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, if you had to single somebody out, it would be Noah Brown's spot. Um, but, you know, let's see. I mean, stranger things have happened. Um, there's always some surprise cuts, you know, at every NFL team just depends on the position. And again, the Texans are in a good position for as bad as they were last year to be uh, the team that nabs them first before anybody else. Question from Willis. Boone looked great. He yeah. thought in this game, you like Boone. He wants to know, do they carry four running backs? And I'm, I guess my question oh. is, if, Boone, if Boone's one of your running back, I mean, I, we put Beck in a different category, right? Because he's a fullback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do, do they? is there anybody else? I mean, I haven't seen anybody else that's really flat. Roundtree just didn't look fast. He just didn't look fast enough or athletic oh. enough. No, I mean, it's uh, the only other guy that, you know, has been in the conversation was Dario Gumbawale, and he's hurt. Um, he was the guy that would, would have been in the running for that third back um, with Boone. But Boone's just been very consistent. What you saw tonight in preseason is exactly what we've all seen every single day out of training camp. The guy's just a baller. He's hard to bring down, keeps his legs moving. He's got a nose for the end zone. Um, it's it's his job. Uh, Darian Gumbawale, though, like, I know they like him. He's a really good special teams player. Um, you know, I think could be a solid, you know, third down back for this squad. Um, but it's hard to make the club from the tub. And maybe that's a guy they can stash on the practice squad. Yeah, he looks like enough, a practice squad guy to me. There's there's enough film on him out there, Robert, where, you know, another team, you know, might take some interest. Uh, he's a, I, I don't, I think he's kind of a dime a dozen at this point. I mean, if you were that excited for him, then he would be ahead of Boone. I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not. Sure. But, uh, you know, the team's, Need dudes, need bodies. Um, there's, you know, as weak as the but, Texans are. But you can, you can find, what I'm saying is you can find them. I'm not worried about losing Dari. Sorry. Uh, sure, but you got to find them from some. I'm not saying you should be worried about losing them. I'm just telling you that the dude's not getting a third back. And I don't think it's a shoe in that he stays on your practice squad. That's what I'm saying. Cause there's teams that need backs. All right. Look at, look below. Uh, D'Amico named CJ the starter. I thought for sure the Hooray. starter this year was going to be EJ Perry, but yeah, that, that is not a surprise, but uh, yeah, that that's official now. Um, let me see. We got anything else? Uh, Browns. Uh, well, it says Brown's a possession receiver offense. He's a speed receiver at this point. Uh, they need guys that you can just, you know, somehow get the ball. <laughs> that, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Fletch C. Did anyone else leave their seat after DP? truck that safety <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a, we talked about that one uh that's dp man get used to seeing that um I, I feel really good about i feel really good about that running back room um i i guess like if can we power rank like position groups that you feel most comfortable with like the secondary being one in general and the running back room being number two um and if it breaks the way that i think it could Dalton Schultz, Tegan Pretoriano, Andrew Beck, and Dalton Keene as your the latter two being the hybrid fullback uh, tight end guys. Feel pretty good about that room right now. Um, I, I feel good about that. You know what? I feel really good about the defensive line. 
my 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 only concern on the defense really i just i don't like these linebackers and if there is a position on the waiver wire that the texans they could use not just one guy they might be able to use two guys the linebacking is really it's it's really not exciting to me christian harris is the only guy that even flashes to me at all as a linebacker i wish neville hewitt was to linebacker as he is to special teams ace because uh, neville hewitt is a mean mofo that guy has teams. been around for several years and i looked it up and neville hewitt's just been a guy that's just bounced and bounced and bounced but he's pocketed nine million dollars according to spo track bouncing and bouncing and bouncing around the nfl and you see why you love that guy because if you're great at, at one particular skill in the nfl that's all you need to be is great at one thing. Yeah, I mean Brian Brian Cashman. I've been that's the second time in a week I've done that. Blake Cashman is uh, trending in that direction. Uh, he's hurt too. You know he's got a hamstring issue. Unfortunate for him, but he's another special teams freak. Um, you know for Frank Ross, and it's just it doesn't appear that it's going to work out for him at linebacker. And look, we would be really concerned if Blake Cashman was playing a prominent role at linebacker, but that just goes to show you just like they're looking for a thumper and Blake could kind of be that guy, but you were talking about like, you know, the speed element, like concerned with Toa Toa. I agree with you in coverage. I worry about that. Um, I mean, we saw it against uh, uh, Berrios with the Dolphins last week, you know, an extended play. Berrios easily lost Toa Toa. That's a hard ask for a linebacker to cover that long. But I would have felt a lot better if Christian Harris was in that position, you know, last week versus a Henry Toa Toa. The thing is, Toa Toa is not lighting the ass. You know, he can thump. You know who's lighting the ass that might be an okay coverage guy? But, hey, if you want to be a good cover guy, you might switch your position to freaking safety instead of linebacker is Garrett Wallow. Wallow is got that light in the booty issue where he ain't that thumper that the Texans need to stop the run to make plays near the line of scrimmage and to go get somebody off the edge when they get loose. He might be an okay coverage guy, but they need a complete linebacker. And I don't know if that guy exists right now on this roster. I told you from day one before camp started this offseason, um, linebacking core, I don't feel like people are talking about it enough. I mean, we like what we've seen from Toa Toa. We like what we've seen a little bit from Christian Harris. You feel pretty good about Denzel Perryman. Corey Littleton, where's that dude? Still looking for him. Um, I, the linebacker core could use some beefing up, and maybe that's the position to watch on the waiver wire in a couple of days. Isn't it linebackers are kind of like running backs? It seems like, you know, they're very replaceable for the most part around the NFL, and, and teams don't put a whole lot of great value in them these days like they do because, you know, when you get into these oh. situations where, you know, a lot of times on third down or these d distance downs, you'd start taking out the linebackers. You know, you there's only one or two of them in the game, so you don't have guys that are, are, are three down guys, so why invest that much into them, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I just disagree with that because, you know, the running back market – that's a that's a big conversation but hey look at brandon jacobs you know what is what what does brandon jacobs new contract with the with the uh, raiders you know say about the market uh what does that mean for jonathan taylor you know going forward um when you're really good at your position at the end of the day um 
you need a good run game. If you want to do something in this league, regardless of your offense, you're going to end up paying that dude. And that's what happened to Brandon Jacobs. They need that dude. Somebody's going to need Jonathan Taylor. They're going to pay that dude at some point. Um, linebacker, specifically with this defense, when your defensive ends are being told, get out wide, no. think about one thing, and that's just go. Yeah, you're, so you're, 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 you're trying to make the point that, yeah, the Texans could use upgrade at linebacker and they could use better linebackers. That's not my point. I'm just saying I, I look around the NFL these days and I, I, you know, I, I look at what G, how GMs do this. And when guys can't play every single down, cornerbacks play every down. Safeties play a lot of times every single down. The, the best, the better ones. Um, same thing, you know, if you're really good up the middle as a defensive tackle or you're a really good edge rusher. But linebackers, there are times where you're going to take some of those guys off. the. That's the position well, that some typically of them, you gets taken taken off the field. You I'm ain't just, taking your dude off the field. You're not taking your thumper off the field. Denzel Perryman, you watch how many times that dude's off the field this this season. Like they he ain't coming off. That's the one guy that can lower a shoulder and wrap up and lay the wood. That's what I'm saying. Like Well yeah, if you have a Ray Lewis, yeah, that's great. But I'm saying just in general, in general, there it doesn't seem to be the focus on it. it, it I, I, that's all I'm saying. I'm, I, this is not well, this is not, not like, I mean, it's, it's not putting... saying linebackers are worthless and they don't deserve anything or whatever. I'm just saying, um, compared to other positions in the NFL, linebackers and running backs these days by general managers, it's like, you know, if a baseball comparison is this is in the money ball era, linebackers and, and running backs just don't seem to get the emphasis. And, and it, and it seems that you can, I'm saying we're talking about the waiver wire right now, Sean. I'm saying you can find linebackers a little bit easier than maybe you could if you if, if we were terrible at defensive tackle. If we didn't have the if we didn't have Malik Collins or something like that, you would go, yeah. I, what what are the odds we can go find this guy off a of waiver wire? But linebacker, you might you you could actually find a guy like a running back. You can actually find a guy off the waiver wire. That that's my point. Yeah, you could, you could. I mean, but I mean, it's it's kind of obvious. I mean, yeah, running linebackers are a little bit different now. I mean, you're constantly in nickel, you're in dime. Um, you know, guys are coming off the field, and you're putting, you know, these nickels uh, out there. And I mean, I get it. There's guys that are expendable, but you can go find a guy. I just think it's going to come down to like it's the body type, man. And to me, you know, Christian Harris has that body type to where he could be that thumper. He could also be that guy in coverage, but anything beyond him it's a it's a big concern you know for what the texans have currently on this roster if you can go find another guy um like that i'd feel a little bit better about it but um i'm not holding my breath um because that that guy might not exist out there that it's going to be the big difference maker in this defense and i'm just telling you from a defensive standpoint find it find the best guy out there it's you're asking a lot of a linebacker when your interior line is unproven and inconsistent. That's really the biggest thing. And your ends are asked to just be headhunters for the quarterback. It puts a lot of pressure when teams are running interior on you on those linebackers. It's the number one reason why we saw Jalen Petrie lead the league in tackles last year for much of the season. And so much onus was put on the secondary for being horrible tacklers, really the entire defense uh, that matter um, because 
Jerry Hughes and Jonathan Grenard were basically asked to do the same thing. And that's just go get the cue, man. And your interior line wasn't good last year. Put a ton of ton of pressure on the linebackers. It just so happened he didn't have a freaking thumper back there either. And it certainly wasn't Christian Kirksey. Yeah, you just said a lot of stuff that I basically was that's that's my point. What you just said was my point. The Texans, I like what I'm saying is I like the guys that they have a defensive line this year compared to last year. Now that they've got Will Anderson and they've added, you know, some depth in the interior, I think they're much better. And that's why I'm saying linebacker is a concern for me. And that's why somebody, the original question was about the waiver wire and we're talking about wide receivers and where, you know, other stuff. I'm just talking, and you were talking about position depth and I'm just saying linebacker is my, you know, we just keep going back to that. It's, it's my worry. You're saying, you're saying linebacker is important. I'm saying, of course it's important, but I'm just saying that I, I think of the of the positions, it's 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 the easiest to find. Um, yeah, a quarterback to me, <laughs> we got depth. We just don't know if they're we just don't know if our top guy is good enough. But hey, you say you've got depth at quarterback because Davis Mills might be might be not a good or maybe even a a a bad backup quarter or a bad starting quarterback, but He's perfectly fine if he's your third-string quarterback, if Case Keenum might be your second-string quarterback, and Case Keenum's a great backup quarterback. So you actually do have depth. You have guys at two and three that would be better than most other teams. Yeah. You know, it it, it feels like Case might be a guy who, if you look at the depth chart, he's going to be QB three, but doesn't mean he's the third-best no. quarterback on this team. Okay. No. And, uh, yeah. If it becomes nut cutting time, Stroud goes down, uh, you're going to have a really quick hook on Davis Mills and you're going to get Keenum's ass out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you, if you, when it comes down to it, coaches, they're not going to fall on the sword if they don't have to. Um, when you know you have a guy like uh, Case Keenum back there who knows this offense like the back of his hand, he's, he ain't going to be out there uh, before too long. And you hope it don't come to that point. I'm just saying. Yeah, Terrence is asking, do we think they're going to draft a wide receiver in the first round? Uh, let's let, let's actually Jeez. play the first game of this season before we talk about what they need. We'll tell you what they need the first round when this season's over with. But right now, let's, uh, uh, let's let's get to the seat. Let's get to game one of 2023. Before let me, we talk uh, about that. Let me get to the uh, message we got here from Noel Mo 2000. Heinish proved why he deserves a spot on the roster. Who's your bubble guys? Heinish was not a bubble guy. Uh, for me, I think Heinish has been one of the most consistent uh, players, you know, for the Texans on that interior. And I've got the Texans keeping five defensive tackles, Rankins, Collins, Ridgeway, Lopez, and Heinish. Uh, the bubble guys don't exist. Thomas Booker can't make the club from the tub. Cowart didn't see enough. Um, you know, defensive end, kind of the same thing. I'll go one further. Anderson, Grenard, Hughes, Martin, and Horton. Uh, your bubble guys, to me, don't really exist. I know Chase Winovich is there, but, you know, he's been banged up a little bit. Solid special teams players made some plays. But when you're talking about a room full of those five guys, it's hard to make. And Rivers, um, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't consider him a bubble guy. I'd just consider him a camp body. And, uh, you know, uh, you're going to be cutting the fat with him uh, here in the next couple of days, in my opinion, it's just, it's going to be interesting because there's one of these position groups. It could be offensive line. It could be tight end. It could be defensive tackle. Um, hell, it really could be corner, you know, with the game that Holman had tonight, you have to consider him. You're going to keep an extra guy, but if you keep an extra guy, where does that hole open up? 
I don't think it can be the offensive line. You need every healthy body you could possibly get there at this point in time, especially uh, until you figure out if Dieter's going to be a serviceable guy to step in for Kenyon Green. And you still got to get Titus Howard back and healthy, and that's no guarantee. But two weeks is a long time, um, and it's trending in the right direction for Titus in regard to him going from hard cast to soft cast just this past week. So, you know, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting couple of moves, though. I think we're bound to see a surprise or two at a position group here. I'm just interested to see where they feel like they need more depth outside of offensive line. Yeah, and Sean, in our last show, if you missed it, we went over the guys that Sean believed could be on the outside looking in. Jones and Dantzler screwed that up for me. You know, they signed those guys literally like the next day. <laughs> no, no. Well, Josh Jones, you're talking about the Josh Jones, the trade? Yeah. No, we, we talked about that. That was that was in that was show. Was that in that show? Okay. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe yeah. Dantzler screwed that up your, for your, me. Your memory's getting bad in your old age. But yeah, Cam Dantzler, that's been since you think, you th- so you think Dantzler has a legit, because D'Amico said he wants to take a look at him. Of course he does, I, but. I thought when Dantzler was signed, that meant, okay, Shaq Griffin is on notice. Um, he played good, didn't he? Shaq Griffin played good tonight. You know, it's a wonder what, uh, you know, a little pressure applied to your ass can do. Um, he was on a, a, a light contract, I'll say. You know, it was nothing crazy. Three and a half million dollars. Contract comparable to um, Steven Nelson's before he signed his new one. Um, but Griffin, to be honest with you, outside of looking pretty good, his first week and a half, two weeks of camp, you know, it's where, where, who, Shaq Griffin's on this team. Where's he at? You know, I I just ain't seen him. He ain't flashed tonight. He had a good game, but you know, consider who he had it against, um, you know, a couple good PBUs, good tackling. I mean, we, yeah, these preseason games, they they have played what could be two of the worst teams in the league. I mean, I know people think the Patriots, but they also didn't get the Patriots first, re- first uh, for the guys, uh, the number one on the roster guys when they played them. And then I don't even know if the Patriots are going to be, let's see if the Patriots are going to be any good. A lot, I guess a lot depends on their, on their quarterback and Mac Jones, but yeah, the, the saints could be right there fighting for the worst. Cause so it's just, it's been so hard like the dolphins. Okay. That, that was a really good opponent, and then they didn't look good against them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what 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 I, I needed to get a better feel for the Texans in these preseason games, and, and it's a totally different story for you, Sean, because you're out there at least watching them doing these scrimmages, but you're not seeing an opponent. But in these preseason games, I kind of wanted to see them against a more medium team. You know, the fact that the Patriots didn't put out the first teamers, maybe the Patriots would be that medium team, but I wanted to – because that's where we will see improvement with the Texans. Can they – can they really look good against the middle ground guys? You know, because they're not going to look good against the elite teams this year. I, I doubt. I don't know. You'll get a taste of it week one against Baltimore. You know, we'll see. That's the number one thing I wanted to see tonight is what this run defense looks like. I needed to feel better about that. And and I do. I feel better about it. It, it just when when the when your ones run 140 some odd yards on you uh, in the first half, like the Dolphins did last week. Uh, you can't feel good about anything and because Baltimore, what they were the first or second best rushing team in the entire league last year. They're going to run the ball on your ass. And if the Texans didn't improve it, you know, this week, albeit just for a couple of snaps, ones versus their twos. I mean, that would have been a sinking feeling in your stomach. Um, let's see. What's this message we got down here? Yeah, so glad you. I found you guys. Sean's my favorite guest on 610 when he subs in. Great content. Appreciate you, Dennis. Thank you, man. I'll be uh, in tomorrow what 10 to 2 with john lopez in the loop 
and uh, all over the place uh, this week, I think. I think I'm in there again on Thursday and Friday for Lopez, so I'll be in there with Landry Locker. I appreciate it. Yeah, we we neglected to say Sean's been doing a lot of seven these days. So flip over on six ten, and and you're 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 posting when you're when you're coming in on your on Twitter and on social media. No, I'm terrible at that. I should. Um, <laughs> I just spend so much time, uh, you know, pouring over stuff for the show. That look, I'm I'm like Mr. Old Dude. They they begged me when Twitter came out to get on Twitter, get on Twitter. Whenever it was, I don't know. But I didn't get on it until 2009, and I would say, like, up until the last couple of years, I really uh, I haven't shown a in big interest in doing anything. But since I do write for the website every day, um, you know, I, I use it every day now. And Instagram, a little bit, you know, but I'm like Mr. Old Guy. <laughs> it's, I hate social media. Um, I, I use it for the news to stay up on things, but... In terms of me posting stuff that I think anybody actually cares about, I just I don't because I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> I'm not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's wrap things up. I want to remind everybody too that we will be doing another show in a few days, so we're going to be talking about these. We're, t- we're talking about the roster and what's going to happen. I-, I assume by the time Sean, you and I talk. Uh, Thursday that, that some cuts are going to be made probably oh, yeah. in the next couple of days. We're going to see some, some roster moves and 29 and stuff like that. Somebody, somebody asked in the comments and I'm sorry for, I, I lost it, but they asked, do you like the fact that they don't make these cuts till after the last preseason game? Wait, say it again. Do I like the do, fact? Do, do, do you like that? They don't make the cuts till after the last pre or should they make, oh, or should yeah. this be earlier? Yeah. Well, you know, this is the first year, like, you know, it's like, just you cut all the fat at once. No, I like that because having to keep track of, you know, okay, we're going to cut 10 guys here, 10 guys here, and then boom, the final cuts. I hated that crap. Uh, yes, I love this much better for a lot of reasons. One, it makes my job a little bit easier because, again, you just cut everybody at once, get it over with. Uh, but then, two, it's a better opportunity for those guys to create film for themselves. Uh, make better opportunity for them. And it gives the coaching staff, like when you're, in, when you're in a position like the Texans are right now, like you're not set like anywhere. Okay. Like the Texans right now today, gun to their head. They wish they had a better backup quarterback. The Texans wish they had a better backup running back. Like, you know, they, there's always improvements. And so the more opportunity you get to see guys, the better, because I, like John McClain told me the other day, he was like, man, they know who they're keeping. They know who they're cutting already. They don't need to play this game. They know by now. And if they don't know by now, they should be fired. It's like, I don't believe that at all. Like there's always, you know, and just come in. Any coach at any level will tell you, like, the more you can see of a guy, just it's more affirmation that, you know, yeah, I I, I felt like, you know, he was going to be, you know, some of the fat that I trimmed. But you know what? Maybe I could use him here. Maybe we, maybe he's worth making some room for, or at least, you know what, maybe he's a guy that we should consider keeping on the practice squad. Like there's always that chance. So um, I side with that. The longer, more opportunities they get, the better. I think we're going to cut it right now. Uh, we run a good hour and 15 minutes. So um, please uh, tell your friends about us if you haven't already, as we say at, at the end of every show, but also uh, keep an eye out because in a few days we're going to, be doing another one. It'll be uh, all about the, the latest goings on with the Texans roster. We'll catch up a little bit on the Astros. Somebody 
put in the comments, why don't you guys just talk about one sport? Well, uh, as somebody else put in the comments, look at the title. It's called Houston Sports Talk. We talk about all of them. It's fun. If you're a Houstonian and you like all the teams or you grew up here or whatever, that's what it's all about. It's he got mad at he, that guy got mad at my Michael Brantley reference that took like all of five seconds. Come on, like give yeah. me a break. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's comical. And 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 by the way, you listen to sports radio. That's what sports radio is. That's what Sean does, is we talk about all the teams. It's fun. It's fun. All these teams are fun. Hey, by the way, the Astros, I don't know if anybody's noticed, they're pretty darn good. So uh yeah, they they they've done quite a bit over the last six years. So um so yeah, um Keep keep, uh, keep 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 checking us out. Um, go into the archive. I don't say this. I'll, I need to say it more often. Go into the archive. If you love Houston sports history, there's a Texans playlist and Astros Rockets. We've had some great guests over the years. Some there's clips. There's conversations. You can either go to the Houston sports history playlist or you can go into the specific ones. There's an Astros sports history, Texans Rockets sports history, all of that stuff. Uh, even a Houston Oilers sports history because we've talked, talked to players there. But uh, we're coming up on next month. It'll be 10 years of doing this show, 10 years. So awesome. there, there, is, there are hundreds of clips and interviews in, on that list right now. So make sure you go uh, watch it, check it out. Recent interviews we've had with Glover Quinn and David Anderson and Case Keenum and Blake Cashman are also in our archive. So go find that stuff as well. Uh, we tried to make it where it's not dated. So when, if you go back and listen to those interviews, you know, the Keenum stuff will be a, a tad dated, but not dated until we start going in the season. And the other stuff, there's definitely stuff you're going to want to look at and, and listen to with the, the other guys. But I uh, think, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, always great to have you. We're going to be doing this after every Texans game. So keep tuning in uh, when they're on the road, right after the game, when they're at home, uh, Sean's going to be out there, so it'll take us a little bit. So just stay tuned with that, maybe an hour to an hour and a half afterwards. But keep an eye. If you're subscribed, there's updates and all that sort of stuff. But uh, we'll talk to you again in a few days. Thanks a lot, Sean. Enjoyed it, man. Thank you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.